0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, week 10 is upon us. It is an interesting slate. Your Hokies have a really interesting matchup. I don't know if we can do that ourselves. Uh, how, how are you? You ready to talk about some games?
2: Let's bring a guest in, Joey.
0: Oh, we should. We should. Do you have any ideas of who you would recommend that we bring in to talk about your Virginia Tech Hokies playing the Miami Hurricanes that we all know and love, Cameron J. Underwood the Twelfth Esquire,
2: Esquire from C.W.U. <laughs> the one and the only, The one and the only, Joey.
0: The one and the only, yeah. He he. Uh, thankfully, Cam took some time. We we actually recorded this conversation with him last night. We record right now on Wednesday evening. Cam talked with us Tuesday evening, uh, was very gracious with his time. We, we talked a little bit about the state of the program uh, of Miami and kind of where things have evolved from the preseason, and I thought it was a great conversation, a lot of great insights from him on that. And then we spent a while talking about this weekend's game against Virginia Tech, Mike, which without spoiling anything that we talked about, this is a, a fascinating game, at least from a, a betting standpoint. Virginia Tech is favored, and I'm not sure really any of us can kind of figure out why that
2: is. Vegas knows, Joey. Vegas knows.
0: You don't got to tell me twice. Um, So without further ado, Mike, our Week 10 preview, we are going to start this with, once again, a, a little bit of a talk with Cam regarding the state of the program with Miami. But this does also get into previewing this weekend's game of Miami taking on the Virginia Tech Hokies. Mike, take a listen. All right, Mike, we now welcome back friend of the show longtime guest, one of our absolute favorites i might say that mostly because he's on the call here but (laughs) you know him you love him he's our miami correspondent the sweet sultry tones of mr cameron underwood welcome back cam how you doing brother
1: doing well thanks for having me the uh Yeah, the sweet, sultry tones. I appreciate that. Uh, You know, and I hope that you, um, you know, also extol the glories of me as your favorite guest, even when I'm not here. Uh, And I know sometimes you do throw my name out there because I do listen to the show and everything. Uh, You know, even though you guys, you know, Mike and Joey hate Miami, but, you know, hey, it's all right. It's okay. You know, we'll we'll get over that. But no, it's good to be back, guys.
0: Hey, the hatred is out in the open. We're honest about
1: it. We, you know, we can be adults here. We're all friends. I mean, I appreciate the honesty, you know, at least, you know, like stab me in the front. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Cam, thank you for joining us. Really appreciate it. It's, it's always great having you back on here, man. Um, we, we last talked to you in the preseason as we were previewing uh, Miami and we felt like this was a good opportunity, A, to do a little a little status check, take inventory, see how things have, have gone so far. You know, we're about two thirds of the way through the season and it's it has been an interesting one for Miami for sure. And, it also just so happens that this weekend Miami plays against Virginia Tech, and so we figured we might see how you and Mike are feeling about your teams uh, matching up this weekend.
2: What could possibly go wrong?
0: <laughs> Several things for Virginia Tech, apparently.
2: Oh, so many things. <laughs> oh, so many things is right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but before yeah. we get to that, Cam, let's let's, let's talk a little um, bit about kind of the season that has been for Miami this year. We. We talked in the preseason, and, and it was really going to be an interesting year in particular because you had a new offensive coordinator, Rick Lashley, who was being charged with revolutionizing the offense here. It, it had really gotten stale the last couple of years. And joining him was transfer quarterback Derek King coming in from Houston, um, a fifth-year senior grad transfer quarterback, a guy who had had a lot of success in the AAC. We weren't certain, you know, was, is this going to work in the, AA, in the ACC or not? You know, time will tell. I, I got to say, seems like so far that has been a pretty resounding success. Like, are there three words you would use to describe what we've seen from Derek King so far this year?
1: Awesome, incredible, electric.
0: <laughs> All good things. <laughs> you know, I
1: mean, it's just uh, he's been what he was built to be coming in from Houston. Um, obviously, he did extend his own career. Uh, record with a touchdown run and a touchdown pass in the opener um to 16 games uh extending the record that he stole or beat tim tebow for um tim tebow who wasn't even the best quarterback on the roster at florida shout out cam newton um but hey uh and cam newton did in one season what tim tebow did in a career so miss me with that anybody who's listening go go patriot patriot great exactly exactly and you're welcome for that by the way uh yep it's still funny because I look on the timeline. I'm like, why is everybody talking? Oh, no, there's other cams that people know. Sorry. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, so Derek King came in and did that. Um, He is absolutely electric when it's pressure, you know, and that was what we talked about the opener. Derek King is doing so many things throughout the game that are winning plays, you know, instead of a sack, I spin out of that half spin, half spin, I run for 20. Instead of a Loss of three, I gained two. You know what I mean? Instead of getting sacked here, I step out of it. I hit somebody up the sideline for 30. Like, there's enough creativity, enough playmaking that all those interior plays are are winning plays as well.
0: And even those small ones, like you mentioned, I mean, those add up.
1: Exactly. And, I mean, the thing about it is you're turning a negative into a positive. You know, so think about, obviously, one of the things that has still struggled or playing with this offense is getting behind schedule, which any offense, when you get behind schedule, it's a problem. And – Uh, You talked about a little bit, but the running game is really the culprit for putting Miami behind schedule. So if you try to pass early and you get a sack now, instead of being second and 12, you're second and 17 and you're really behind schedule then. But yeah, you know, those little things, if you take that negative seven and turn it into a three, you know, now you're talking second and seven, second and six instead of second and a mile. That's a huge, huge difference. And those things can get overlooked.
2: Cam, I got a question for you as far as like the overall outlook, like tone and tenor of the program. I've been trying to answer this as best as I can on local radio spots, both in Blacksburg and in Richmond and D.C. area. Like I'm on the radio a good bit and they're asking me like, what do you make of mm-hmm. Miami? And I go back to the conversations we had back in 2017 when Miami's winning 10 games and you and I and and Joey all know that they kind of lucked into that with Malik Rozier, at quarterback. And, you know, the one thing that was clearly missing from that team was consistent quarterback play. Mm -hmm. And what I've kind of been telling people is it, at least in, in my mind, the difference between that Miami team and the Miami team we're seeing now is that the defense might not be quite as good as it was then but they're making up for it with incredible quarterback play from De'Aaron King. Do you think that's an accurate assessment?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that it's clear that the defense is not as dominant as it has been uh, in the previous four years that Manny's uh, Diaz has been here. Three is defensive coordinator and one is head coach. Uh, it's, I mean, it's readily apparent that the defense is taking a step back, but the offense is also taking steps forward. And just the explosive nature of the offense. Now, it's not as a, uh, efficient as you might like, but, you know, plays are made. You know, I mean, you get guys in space. I mean, think back to the Louisville game, third quarter, back-to-back plays, 75-yard touchdowns each. Boom, you know, wide open, nobody in the screen for either one. You know what I mean? Uh, you got And one of them was a run and one of them was a pass on a fake QB power. You step back, sneak the uh, running back, the freshman Jalen Knighton out on a wheel, just dump it off to him. He caught the ball at the thirty-five yard, at the yeah, uh, negative thirty-five yard line, and he has sixty-five yards of just green grass in front of him with nobody there. I mean, you have those kind of explosive plays, and you know, you got great tight ends, Brevin Jordan, um, you know, who unfortunately is still battling some injuries and being held out for that. But I still think that he's the best tight end in America when he's on the field. Will Mallory honestly, and I've said this before, might be a better pro prospect than Brevin Jordan with his combination of size and a playmaking ability. Uh, And he's stepped up really well in the last. Have, you know, ways that you can, and then there's wide receivers as well that we're going to talk about, but you have ways where you can really be explosive on offense. And obviously with Derek King, you're never going to have, well, I don't want to say never, but it's highly unlikely that you're going to have a game from Derek King at the bottom of his uh, performance chart. That will be as bad as what we've seen from uh, Malik Rozier at the worst of him or Nikosi Perry uh, in that 2018 season when they were going back and forth and rotating. It was terrible. You know what I mean? You're not going to see those kind of poor performances, I don't think, from Derek King. And the fact that he is able to elevate his play um, and be the leader that this program needed because everybody, like there's been, you know, coaches have said it, players said like when he came here, everybody said, look, we need a guy to follow, you know, and there's, uh, you know, rest in peace Kobe Bryant, but there's a famous RIP. story about him in one of the NBA finals. And he said, look, I don't need guys to be on the floor. I need someone to stand with me because I'm going to be there. I'm that guy. So I'm going to do that. But I need people to stand with me and do this for Miami. It's not even like that. They're all saying, look, we're going to be on the field and we're going to do what we can, but we need that shining light. We need that beacon to follow. You know what I mean? You need. We need the North Star when we are lost and have no compass so I can look at that and I know where I'm going. And Derek King is stepping into that role. And I think that his consistency of play and his excellence of play is exactly what this team needed.
0: Cam, it's been really interesting, I think, to watch this Miami team, what I would almost consider evolve on offense, like in front of our eyes this year. And it's been really – so the first couple of games, you know, UAB, Louisville, Florida State, they ran the ball really well, and it was really clear, like, they're going to try to run the ball down teams' throats. They're good at running the ball, you know, between King and Cameron Harris in particular, like, it was a pretty nasty rushing attack they had going. Then they run into Clemson, and then, you know, since then, it it really has never been the same. And I think it would be a little bit reductive to say, well, teams – you know, Clemson showed people the blueprint, it's like – Maybe Clemson has a better defense than everybody else in the in the conference for the most part, but certainly you know you you started playing better defenses than UAB, Louisville, and Florida State. You know, with Clemson, Pittsburgh, Virginia, North Carolina State, and and what they were able to do is know that Miami wanted to run the ball a lot and do their best to contain that or even take it away entirely. And forced Eric King to throw the ball down the field, which at it, it the early part of the season, I would have said, I don't think he can do that, you know, consistently, successfully. I think that's right. going to be the, the Achilles' heel here. Except he he's kind of started to, um, and, and I mean Mike Harley, Mark Pope, uh, as you mentioned, you know, Will Mallory a little bit, Brevin Jordan when he's been healthy, like those guys have had a little bit of a, a pretty impressive development, I would say, in terms of getting open, you know, using their hands, all that, and. Deer King has, has progressed, I think, pretty drastically over the course of the season. I'm going to stop trying to give my analysis of it. You tell me if I'm wrong or, or what you've seen here as, as this season has gone on.
1: No, I think that you're 100% right there. Um, you know, Looking at the first three games, uh, you know Miami's averaging 6.5, 5.3, and 5.4 yards per rush. Uh, and then you have a bye week after blowing those teams out. Uh, and then, yeah, you have three of the better defenses – Um, that you're going to face this year, Clemson, Pittsburgh, and Virginia, back to back back And, you know, we're going back to, again, referencing 2017. That's what you're going to do to beat Miami. You're going to crash to the run. You're going to bring everybody up. You're going to play press man and say, we don't think that your wide receivers can beat us. Now take a second and think about the state of affairs when you have teams that are pressing Miami receivers because they don't have swag or skill or ability to make plays happen down the field or daring them to do that because we don't believe that you had that, or if you had that ability, it's intermittent best. That's crazy to me. And that kind of does point to the lack of development and recruiting at, and the talent at wide receiver. Obviously you have a guy like KJ Osborne loved him for the program. Uh, you know, it's from Ipsala,nd Michigan went to IMG Academy first year It was a two star recruit went to Buffalo for three years, four years uh, with a red shirt. He comes down here and he's the best player on the roster because he has age and like the ability to work as a professional. But I mean, yeah, he's on the NFL roster and everything, so I'm not going to demonstrate him. But like AJ Osborne isn't anybody's All American, you know what I mean? He's not like a super duper star, but he was light years beyond where the rest of this receiving crew was. Um, so yeah, the 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 scheme, the idea to beat Miami has always been stop the run and make them hit throws vertically. In 2017, we did that in a couple games. Uh, you know, in 2018, not really. Last year, okay, yeah, you know, Louisville we ran up a check, but, like, otherwise, not really. So you're going to continue to do the same thing. And when you're Clemson, you can get all that pressure with three and four and stop the run with maybe, you know, one or two uh, linebackers and run fits. Maybe every now and then you get Isaiah Simmons or whoever's playing safety to come downfield or downhill. And, yeah, you're going to challenge Miami to beat you. And that game was terrible for the receivers. You know, any hand fighting, the receivers are crumbling to the floor like they got, you know, assaulted with a baseball bat. And it's an easy interception for the DB because it's like, oh, there's nothing there. It finally did start the flip, though, after that game because, you know, Mike Harley even said it. He said, look, the receivers were not doing the work of being great. They're staying after practice. They're not catching balls in the jugs machine. They're not staying after with the quarterbacks. They're not watching extra film. They're not working on their releases. And so we're kind of just getting by by the name on the front of the jersey. This is not that old Miami. It's not. We're not the U-back. We're not 2001. I don't got Andre Johnson as third string behind Andre King and, uh, you know, uh, Santana Moss and uh, Reggie Wayne. And, and we don't have that roster. We don't have those guys. You're
0: not so you Michael have- Irvin.
1: Hello. You know what I mean? We're not Lamar Thomas. You know, we're not uh, Randall Thrill Hill against, uh, you know, 1991 uh, Cotton Bowl scoring against Texas and running up the – even though Mike Harley did kind of have one of those. He had a touchdown and he went up the stairs in the corner at NC State because there's such a short uh, amount of room between the field and the stands. So he caught that touchdown on that beautiful, beautiful, beautiful throw. And then he ran up the stairs because, like, it was either that or, like, crack his skull open. So, like, yeah, we're going to take the option up the stairs. But, I mean, yeah, it's been – a ch- it's been challenging for the offense because that is what the defenses now have been able to dictate. We're going to make you throw this ball. And if you hit those vertical throws, you're going to win. We don't think that you can, you know, and again, 2017 against Pittsburgh, we're not able to do it last year. Okay. It was tough, but we hit that one throw to KJ Osborne at the end, which was the same kind of uh slant that Mike Harley won this game with, you know, things like that. So it's really been incumbent upon, um, everybody in the passing game Derek King I mean he had the ability to hit throws but like there was a little bit of timing that was off for a while so really connecting with the wide receivers and wide receivers just manning up you know what I mean like you can't like it's you know I was a basketball player obviously so I mean I'm going to use that analogy you cannot keep crying for fouls if they're not calling it sometimes you got to play through contact you know what I mean And I remember there's a – I forget who said it, but, I mean, scored a basket, got hacked to death, and looked at the referee, said, don't even call it while he's going back on defense. I don't even need you to call the foul. And that's what the wide receivers did this week. That touchdown to D. Wiggins over the shoulder against Clemson, he was the one on the ground while Clemson was making the interception. This week, I'm playing physical. If you want a hand fight, I'm celebrating this touchdown. You know what I mean? So it's just that mentality change of being being passive into aggressive. This is my ball, and I'm going to get it. And the only way that I'm not going to get it is you have to commit a penalty against me. And that mentality change and the ability and interest of staying there and doing the work of being great was so transformative for this team. And it opens up the passing game, which we need because outside of De'Aaron King, Miami had like, hold on, I'm going to go. And look up this stat because I wrote it in the good, the bad, and the ugly after the game. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. I should have had it queued up. I didn't. But so much great stuff on you.com that I can't even find my piece. I mean, honestly, I had to scroll and scroll and scroll before I could get even to the thing that I wrote on Saturday. Like, we got a lot of stuff up there. Um, it was uh, – 23 carries for 89 yards outside of Dieric King running and scrambling. Kobe. So if you look at <laughs> <laughs> So if you look at the no, the raw number and see oh Miami almost ran for 200 yards. That's great, good, glorious and wonderful. Yeah, but when only 89 of those on 23 carries which works out to be 3.8 uh yards per carry came from non-quarterback runs, that's Cameron Harris, Jalen Knighton, um, and Donald Chaney Jr., there are still problems with this run game, but you alleviate them because the quarterback is awesome and more athletic than most guys, so he ran for a buckle five himself and started hitting these throws because the wide receivers were there as well. So there has been a, a transformation just because I mean look, Miami could run inside zone against UAB all day long and win the game and run for almost three hundred and fifty yards, because we did. But again, with better defenses like you're talking about, with updated schemes and things where guys are gonna I mean teams are gonna sell out against this run because Rhett Lashley wants to be a run based offensive coordinator. It really is incumbent upon the passing game to step up. And luckily for Miami these last three weeks they have.
2: So Cam, what do you think's missing from this team defensively? I mean, it's not like a ter- they're not terrible on defense, right? But they're not that elite unit that they were a few years yeah. ago. Like we mentioned, like, what do you think is the key thing that's missing? And do you think it's really going to hold them back from reaching their goals? Right. Because we talked early in the year, well, I guess before the season started about how a reasonable expectation for Miami was probably eight or nine wins. And mm-hmm. in your mind, it was seven and four. Prove it to me. Right. Correct. Eight, this 11 game schedule. So now that they've won six games already and they're in this really nice spot through seven weeks where their only loss is to Clemson, number one, let's recalibrate expectations. Uh-huh. Number two, what do you think is missing from this team to go up and compete with a team
1: like Clemson? I think that we just really need consistent different makers, uh, difference makers, excuse me, especially a linebacker. Um the play at the linebacking position has been inconsistent at best. And again, you know, I think that the strength of the linebacking position absent Shaq Quarterman absent Michael Pinckney who were good and smart and intelligent and veteran guys who started, you know, Shaq Quarterman started 50 games Uh, as the most ever in Miami hurricanes history. Cause I mean, every game that he played for four years, you know what I mean? Um, But we don't have that anymore but we should be relying on the athleticism at that position. And we're not doing that. So, you know, a guy like Zach McLeod, who I thought, you know, had sky high expectations for when he came out of high school, that's a guy who's proven that he's pedestrian at linebacker. I mean, he's fine. He can play here, obviously, uh, but he's not a game changer. You know, you got Bradley Jennings Jr. Who, I mean, had a, he had some good plays against NC State, but I mean, he's been a negative guy. I mean, if you're doing again a basketball kind of plus minus thing, it's it's stark the difference between Bradley Jennings on the field and off. With him being off the field, being the way better defensive unit. There was a, a guy Daniel Gould who does uh statistics um, because you know he's that kind of nerd. I'm with it, uh, but he does you know just kind of for himself. And he's just like, look, look, man, Um, when he, when Jennings is out there, it's almost like Miami's playing 10 on 11 with 10 on defense. Um, That's how negative his impact can be. And for me, I want to see Miami lean into the advantage of athleticism when mentioning this group this year, Brett, uh, sorry, Sam Brooks and Avery Huff. And, you know, like, even your freshman, uh, Corey Flagg, Jr., like there are guys with increased athleticism and that will bridge the gap there at linebacker. And I think that that's a problem for one. I think that inconsistent play in the secondary uh, is two. I mean, the back seven is not as dominant as it has been in years past. Corey um, Carter, it would be helpful if he you know, would go again, maybe two without getting a, a targeting penalty. Um uh, <laughs> You know, because anybody comes across, I mean, if you have a hospital ball or a targeting kind of, you know, up the seam and you see five around, first of all, he hits like a Mack truck. So it's going to be that collision anytime he hits anybody. And I mean, you're just like, okay, well, he's going to go stand on the sideline next to Ed Reed for the rest of the game because he's disqualified himself, uh, you know, by targeting. Uh, He did not have a targeting in his return last week uh, against uh, NC State. That was positive. Um, But, yeah, it's just not been as great. You know, like we have – who's going to really make a difference? You know, Bubba Bolden is making a lot of tackles. You know, he's there in the secondary. Gervin Hall, I still need to see more of a step forward. Al Blaise Jr. has been pretty decent. DJ Ivey's been, I mean, he was started the year terribly. He's been okay. Tecore Couch is good, but he's five nine uh, at cornerback. We had another cornerback leave the roster, so we only have five corners. So we don't have the kind of talent that we've had, especially in that back seven. And then in the front, you know, on the defensive line, there's talent, but it just, we're back to 2017, 18, when we went so. 16, 17 games with the opposing teams not being called for holding against Miami. It's cutting, it's getting to those points now. And, you know, you can see, okay, we're always a step away from making a play up front and things like that. It's just like, bro, call a holding penalty. One. I mean, Jalen Phillips Jersey was literally ripped off of his shoulder pads on the first drive against NC state. No call. You know what I mean? He had to get a new Jersey. You have Quincy Roche, awesome defensive end. We got two of the best defensive ends in America we barely have any sex. That's not just by happenstance. You know what I mean? It's like there, it's too consistent to be a a coincidence for me, but yeah, we're just lacking. We have a lot of good and not as much great on defense. And I think that that's what you're seeing Um, in terms of, of resetting or recalibrating expectations. At this point, everything is almost gravy for me because I said seven and four and proved me wrong because this is a program that's found ways to lose games that they shouldn't have. But outside of Clemson, the resiliency and the mental fortitude of this team is apparent. There's multiple games that could have gone the other way. And they just said, no, we're going to cowboy up. We're going to figure it out. And come hell or high water, we're going to win this game. Think about last week. That was definitely Miami loses. And again, we're everybody's Super Bowl. It's going to be a blackout black Jersey game. You know, like we're going to get everybody's best shot. Virginia, same thing, 1914 Pittsburgh. They're going to give us their best shot though. they are games that we would have otherwise lost that Louisville game earlier. That's a game that Miami would have lost in previous years, but every one of those, except for Clemson, Miami won. Okay. That's great. You're proving to me that you have the composure and the willing of the winning ability to win these games. It's progress. Moving. It is. Yeah, it's progress. It's progress. Now you're talking about the last four games at Virginia tech this week. So against Mike next week at home versus Georgia tech. Hey, Joey, then on yeah. the road to wake forest, who I think you're playing this week and then home against North Carolina, who talking big noise, obviously wants to beat us. They want to have all the swag in the world and everything. Cause they think that they're the big dogs on the block. So, I mean, those are four games that, I mean, I would like Miami to win all four of them. You know, if you lose one, It depends on how you lose it. I would prefer not gifting uh, Virginia Tech four turnovers in the first 13 snaps like we did last year. That worked really well. I mean, I I
2: don't know, Cam. I mean, look, we did a great
1: job of giving you guys the ball last year. I would would hope that we do not continue that kind of a thing and then see where we go from there. To
2: Miami's credit, they damn near recovered from it.
1: Yeah, finally. I mean, because we flipped the quarterback, we switched the offensive scheme. Dan Eno's kind of had to take the training wheels off. it was like, hey, we're down four scores, and it's one play into the second quarter. We got to chuck the ball, dog. You know, so we, we did something on that. But I, first of all, it needs to be competitive in all these games. That is the other thing. And there can be no – we didn't see them coming or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, and go into those games strongly. So honestly, a realistic expectation, even if you split these games, is what, eight and three? That has to be the floor. That has to be the floor for where we are. I mean, we're in contention for an ACC championship game slot. Unfortunately, since Notre Dame beat Clemson, now that means we need either Clemson to lose again, cause they have the head to head against us cause they beat us uh, with that messed up schedule. I can't believe they put them on our schedule this year. God darn it. Um, and, or Notre Dame has to lose twice and Notre Dame can lose for the rest of eternity. Cause Brian Kelly sent Declan Sullivan to a certain death in a practice video. And I hate him and them forever. So I'm never going to let you forget that. Look it up on Deadspin or or your Googles about that. Declan Sullivan was his name, rest in peace. So I could have them lose every game for forever. And that would be fine for me. Um, I don't know, realistically think that this is going to happen. So if we're not realistically looking at, I mean, it's, it's potential, but probably not probable for Miami to get to ACC championship game. You can go at least two and two, if not three and one down this stretch, that is recalibrating to this season with the schedule in front of us, with the talent on this roster and how we're performing.
0: Cam, all I know is I can tell right now that you're shaking your boots at the thought of, uh, Georgia Tech's thick punting boy dropping dimes on that Miami special he, teams unit once again. Presley
1: Harvin, the third. Presley
0: Harvin, the third, my man.
1: Uh, that was the game. That was the throw that really started having people with tiki torches and pitchforks after DJ Ivy last year. <laughs> because, I mean, he's looking at it. He's saying, hey, watch the fit. Th-. You can see him pointing, like, okay. And then the ball is snapped, and he does not move. And your boy Harvin, thick boy, dropped that dime up the sideline. I mean, you know, look, it's, like I said, Miami's going to be everybody's Super Bowl. We're going to get a great performance from Virginia Tech this week, obviously coming off of the loss. Mike, sing the theme song. What? Liberty, 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 Liberty. Yeah, there it is. Thank
2: you. So it was you know, so it was so painful, Cam. You have to understand. It was so painful for me to have to sing that during the recap this week that I've <laughs> mentally blocked it out from memory.
1: You have to. Fully
2: I saw that. that. We're, it so we're so on Zoom,
1: pain. and I told Mike to do it, and he literally his his head popped up. He goes, "Wait," wh-? and he had that blank look, like I have no <laughs> idea what you're actually talking about. I get it. He really did purge it from his brain. But they're gonna give us their best shot this week. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They beat us last year. You know we're going. Up- there. Like, I know that we're going to get a championship caliber effort from Virginia Tech. I know when Georgia Tech comes down with Jeff Sims and Jameer Gibbs, how in the hell did you get Jameer Gibbs, by the way? What in the world was everybody else thinking about not recruiting the guy? They're going to go and they're going to do everything, pull out every trick in the book, and that's the thing i've been talking about miami has more talent than these other teams so they're gonna go to the trick plays they're gonna go to them early and often you saw it with north carolina state with the throwback to bailey hockman for a touchdown they're going to give us all that we can handle it is up to us to be ready to handle it so really honestly and truly eight and three has to be the absolute floor anything if if we hit that seven and four that i predicted that means that the wheels have come off in these last four weeks well
2: let's transition cam why do you think virginia tech's favorite on saturday
1: I think that they're favored on Saturday because it's an overreaction both ways. I think it's an overreaction to – or a course correction. You guys lost to Liberty. So just like I was saying that Virginia Tech is going to give us a great effort to try to recover from that. So, boom, you're going to give them that bump. And then Miami struggled to really do anything defensively up until the fourth quarter where we outgained NC State 244-6 to or something like that. Oh, Uh, yeah in the fourth quarter alone, but outside of that, they did numbers. So you think, okay, that was a big spot. It's a Friday night. It's the big, you know, it's their blackout game. They, uh, NC state brought this level. We eventually had to reach that level, but they're still chinks in the armor for Miami, maybe expending a lot of that energy. You're missing a couple of guys um, from injury also missing a couple of guys for COVID. But again, Miami's a private school. So they don't have to detail those things. So Miami Diaz just said, yeah, we're getting guys back available. I'm mean, like, from, wh- from where? Where were they? Were they on vacation, Manny? What did they do? Ah, they just stopped uh, were not around. Cool. Okay. So it was COVID or, and or contact tracing. Great. So you put all that together. You're still missing Brevin Jordan. And if that is a transformational kind of piece of information for you, if you're excluding what uh, Will Mallory has done, that's a big thing. So you're course correcting Virginia Tech positive, Miami negative from what you saw for most of the game on Friday night. And that's how you get to Virginia Tech being favored. Yeah, I
2: mean, fair enough. Um, my – so I got a lot of questions about Virginia Tech, as I'm sure you know, Cam, from listening to this podcast. Is Khalil Herbert Virginia... playing this week? It's, a... it's up in the
1: air. Um, Can he not, well... not play this week, please? <laughs> he's a problem. He, I mean, and he's from down here. Like, I've seen him before. His brother uh, is on our roster, Kylian, duh. I mean, yeah, so. Yeah, Khalil's a problem. Um,
2: I hope he plays because Virginia Tech's offense – Quite honestly, I mean, look, they still put up 35 points and everything. It was Liberty, though, and they are lost without him.
0: They labored to score those 35 points against Liberty.
2: I mean, you're right. And Hedden Hooker runs the ball about 40 times when Khalil Herbert's not in the lineup, and we can't have that happen. I can't go back to the Braxton Burmeister experience. I'm I'm good. I'm good.
1: It worked for you guys against us with Logan Thomas, the tight end. So I was at that
2: game in 2011. That was good stuff
1: i'm just saying you know i mean it also had in 2012 you know when he was down here and threw for 8 million yards because our defense didn't adjust to what you guys were doing so i mean like there is a history that could lead you to believe that something could be successful in such a way against us again
2: the al golden and jacori harris the firefighter led miami hurricanes came marching to blacksburg in 2011 and that was one of the best games i've been to in lane stadium that was just an awesome football game yeah um for you it was yeah it was it was damn good um I can't get over how badly
0: this spread stinks.
2: Like, Virginia Tech. That's what I was going to say. The Hokies have
0: lost two out of three, and they've looked like hell kind of in both of them. And, like, it's so tumultuous and back and forth. And, like, what's the best win they've got all season? I don't really know. NC State? It might be. I mean, Mike, do we feel like Virginia Tech can stop Miami's rushing attack?
2: Well, see, that's what I was just going to get into. That's that's funny that you say that. <laughs> um, Professional. You mean D.R. King's rushing attack? Uh, that's the problem I have here with this with this whole thing. I was just about to get into that. Virginia Tech can look like a top 15 team one week and then a bottom 15 team the next. So it's been really hard to kind of figure out what this team is. I'll tell you what, without Khalil Herbert, I think this is going to be a real problem for Virginia Tech. And I, I think if Khalil Herbert's out of the lineup, I think all bets are off regarding how Virginia Tech moves the ball against Miami's defense. Because we talked earlier in this podcast about how Miami's defense has taken a bit of a step back from how elite it was in, like, 2017. Mm. And turnover luck aside, like, they were just damn good. But all that aside, like, Miami's still got a good defense. This isn't, like, a a bottom five unit in the conference now or something. So (laughs) this is a very good defense still. And I just don't know if Virginia Tech has enough avenues to score without Khalil Herbert. Now, we don't know if he's going to be active or not. They pulled his hamstring on the opening kickoff and he wasn't good to go. And, you know, Fuente didn't as usual, didn't give the media anything yesterday, which was a giant pain in the ass. But I, I don't know if Virginia Tech moves the ball consistently enough because that running game sets up their passing game. Like Hooker's not a drop back passer. I'm gonna sling it around 35, 40 times. He's just not that type of quarterback. It's all predicated on how well they run the football. My concern is is even less about Virginia Tech's offense and more about Virginia Tech's defense. Joey, getting back to what you were saying, it's not even just the rushing attack of Miami; it's the passing game too. <laughs> it's the Miami
0: offense is what worries you.
2: <laughs> it's it's just the entire offense, and it's it's really what's concerning me about this too is Miami's quick passing attack can cause Virginia Tech a lot of issues from the standpoint of Tech's. DBs, linebackers especially, Um, and the defensive lines had trouble getting pressure on the quarterback, but the linebackers can't tackle in space. So, you know, if you get the ball to a playmaker out in the open field, it's a real problem for the Virginia Tech defense, and I have more questions about the defense than I do about Virginia Tech's offense. I mean, I think Tech's offense will be able to score, but it'll be... Less optimal, obviously, if Khalil Herbert's not in the lineup. And given Virginia Tech's defensive struggles now for the better part of the last month or so, I have a really hard time believing that without Khalil Herbert in the, in the lineup offensively, they'll be able to score enough to keep up with the Hurricanes. That's, that's
1: my opinion with it. Yeah, I don't think that you guys, I mean, without Herbert, we'll be able to score enough. But for me, yeah. I'm just on red alert of every tendency breaker, every – trick play every you know thing that you've been hiding for a rainy day scheming up and working on in practice since you know whenever we see all those things every week like every team is gonna has brought them out i mean even clemson matter of fact they even went to stuff that they had not shown that they had been working on for cool we know this how miami likes to play defense We've been working on this for a while, and we're going to bring that up. Every team bring. And now, look, I'm not saying that Clemson only beat us because they did a couple of things different. They also did what they do, which is bash your face in. Okay, like let's just get that straight so nobody comes in here saying that I'm twisted and deranged. But everybody brings all of – I mean, you're the 37-year-old starting pitcher who had Tommy John surgery – used to throw 97 but now you throw 91 and it's got to be a bunch of junk to get all the way through 7 innings. And look man, if that's what you got to do to get guys out, if that's what you got to do to score, I get it. But everybody's going to do that. Everybody's going to counter misdirection, throwback, like we have the throwback this year, whether it's, right well, okay, cool. So I expect to see the throwback. Yeah. You guys did. It. That's how, what's his name? Dalton King, the fullback playing tight end, <laughs> scored a million touchdowns last Patriots year. Great, Dalton throwbacks. King. Go back and look. They were all throwbacks. So I expect to see the throwbacks. I expect to see misdirection. I expect to see trick play. Do you have any left-handed skill players, by the way? Uh, we're just, we're just trying to find right-handed skill players. <laughs> because, <laughs> I, no, it's a thing that I've been tracking like unofficially with Bud Elliott. Raxton Fermeister uh,
2: is a left-handed skill position player, but he's a backup quarterback. So unless number's okay. out, you're not gonna okay. see him.
1: But I'm saying, even wide receivers and running backs, cause you get a, a you know, a, a reverse or something, you throw it out to the left-hand side, you're like, oh, he's gonna run it. No, he's left-handed, he's gonna throw it. That's a thing, and okay, it's not always in Miami games, but anytime that cause like Jarvis Landry is left-handed in the NFL, and mm-hmm. he had a double pass a couple. I think last year or something, and I added but about that because those things are things that I'm looking for as well because if you think, okay, if you're running from offenses right to left on a lateral kind of a way, okay, this is going to be 100% of a run because the guy running it is right-handed. Oh, hey, wait, no, he's not. So even things like that where there might be a wide receiver or a running back down the roster who's like in the game all of a sudden and then he becomes a trick play guy because he's a left-handed guy and then he goes that way. You know, all these kind of things are – teams will can and will employ and again I think that with Virginia Tech yeah if you're not going to be able to be successful going straight forward you know what I mean then you have to find the circuitous route to success yeah. and I think that that's a thing that I'm looking for from Virginia Tech this week I think that especially if you again don't have a uh, Khalil uh, Herbert in there but I mean there are ways to exploit this defense Another... I mean even though there is talent so you know we'll see in another weird
2: stat, Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech is 14-5 and five after a loss, Hmm. which it's okay. neither here nor there, but a very weird stat, which uh, means one of two things. Number one, Tech's really good at bouncing back. Number
1: two, they lose way too many games. <laughs> well, I mean, there's both of those. Manny right. Diaz got his first win after a bye week last week and four in his career as a head coach following a bye week. So we finally got off the schneid.
0: I mean, for what it's worth, Virginia Tech this year is zero and two, or is excuse me, is two and zero off of losses, <laughs> and one and three off of wins. So, Jesus, that's Christ. a trend. Um, Cam, one through ten, how how confident are we feeling about Miami's chances of winning this game?
1: Seven. Yeah. Okay. So you, I mean, you're, so you are talking think, all this um, stuff
0: about all the things that make you nervous and things you worry about, but like you still think Miami should win this game?
1: Miami should win this game. Let that, Let's be clear about that. They should, but again. Miami should have won lots of games over the course of the last (laughs) few years. And that was not the case. So, I mean, Mm. I've always been of the opinion, you respect all opponents, but fear none. And I know what has happened against Virginia Tech. Even again, if I look in the rearview mirror to last year, I know that they are a tough team. They're always going to play us tough. And again, this is a caged animal situation. They are that raccoon in your trash bin area that is backed against the wall. That's ready to claw your face off. Are you You know, are you scared of that? Or are you a wildlife aficionado who can handle that and deal with that really quickly? We're going to find out. So, I mean, yeah, I think that Miami should win. Miami should win by a touchdown. Um, But we'll see if that's what actually happens. But, again, for me, being Miami-centric and being introspective, if Miami does what Miami needs to do and handles their business, they think that we're just a better team than Virginia Tech, all things being equal. So, yeah, I think that Miami should win, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's
2: pretty funny you said a seven because I'm at about a three with confidence level with Virginia Tech. So there we go. That adds up in inverse
1: proportions, and yeah, yeah, that works.
2: Yeah. Now I think I, you know, if if good Virginia Tech shows up, they can certainly beat Miami and they can certainly hang around. It'll be a very competitive game if good Mm -hmm. Virginia Tech shows up. I got no reason to believe that that's going to be the case, other than that random fourteen and five stat I just referenced. Like, there's nothing I saw when you lose to Wake Forest and Liberty. Twice in three weeks, it's hard yeah. to have really
1: any confidence in the program anymore. So that's kind of where I'm at. And for me, like bad Miami has been intermittent. But even with bad Miami, I mean, like we even played halfway decently against Clemson. But again, Clemson, Clemson, they you know bashed our face in. Uh, yeah. You know, it was a it was a crockpotting. Like it took a while for them to really get going. But okay, uh, but you know, like even when Miami's not playing to to their potential, we persevere and keep pushing. You know, this team doesn't quit. This team this year has not quit as opposed to other teams where it was like, okay, things are going a little bit bad. And then whatever, bro, like there's girls on campus. We, you know, I can go lay out by the sea pool. Like I'm short drive from South beach. I can go down to coconut Grove over to Monty's on the bay and, you know, get some you know, oysters and fried shrimp and look at the ocean. Like, you know, and you check out like that. Miami is not checked out like that. So even if we play poorly for a time, like we did against NC state, we have the stick tutiveness to continue forward. And I think that, uh, you know, carry us through. Well, here,
2: here's a question, too, that we haven't really asked yet that I, I want to ask real quick. Yes. Long-term, like, health of the program-wise, how's the fan base feeling at based Like, obviously, this year has been a lot better. Last year it was like, oh, coin flip. Like, it's good some weeks, terrible others. Like, how does the fan base feel? Do, do they fully trust him yet? No. Is it just Let the me, nature I'll, of the I'll,
1: COVID I'll, year? I'll stop you right there. No, there's yeah. not full blinding of uh, faith like yeah. not implicit faith uh, that he's Manny ideas and everything is fine. There are some that are in this uh, corner there. I mean, it's more optimistic than pessimistic, I think, although you still do have those pockets of fans everywhere, uh, right. but things are <laughs> yeah. trending in that direction. But, you know, you want to see. So the, the, the persistence of this team, the mental toughness is great, but I want to see increased or improved performance. Yep. So, you know, instead of, always saying, okay, everything is tough and every game is going to be a four quarter game. Why are we not blowing out teams that we should be blowing out? So, I mean, and that's a real honest question. I know eventually you have to learn how to walk before you can run, but like, okay, we, we're, we found out how to lose last year. We're finding out how to win. Now we need to find out how to win comfortably or really lean into that talent. Um, speaking of that talent, There's some questions in recruiting because like we only have five scholarship cornerbacks and we just dropped one from our recruiting class yesterday. So we have five scholarship cornerbacks and no cornerbacks in this recruiting class and already missed out on the five star in our backyard who texted the coaches that he was coming. And then somebody let it out from the staff that he was coming. And then he said, I told you guys not to do that. And now I'm going to go to Florida. Thanks. So... Yeah, that just continues Miami's string of missing on elite cornerback talent, um, you know, and every so it's just like there's no quarter, or cornerback talent. There's no quarterback in this class. There needs to be another defensive player, uh, you know, prob, well, cornerbacks, but maybe a defensive and defensive tackle. I mean, there, there's some holes in the recruiting game, even though recruiting is going well, it's not going as well as it could, but then obviously recruiting is a lifeblood of talent acquisition for your roster. So if that's not hundred percent where it needs to be, there's questions about that um, and things like that. So, I mean, there, there are things that could be improved. There are some points of contention, but I would say more of a positive outlook, obviously just based on the results, but there are still um, wins that need to happen both on and off the field for my, for Manny to kind of have that implicit trust that some other coaches enjoy at other places.
0: So, guys, let, let's finish up here. We've been going for a while. Let's, let's finish up. Let's talk about the game this weekend. And what do you say we uh, we make it official here, Mike?
2: Uh, noon, Miami wins.
0: Noon on ESPN2, the number nine Miami Hurricanes mm. taking on your Virginia Tech Hokies in Blacksburg. Hokies, a two-and-a-half point favorite. Total is 67 and rising, which is interesting. Uh, Cam, I saw
1: 68-and-a-half. <laughs> On Vegas Insider, but also so many points just really before you ask me, Miami is the number nine team in the nation and a two and a half point dog on the road. Like that's Mm -hmm. what Vegas and people think of Miami. Yeah. Because if Miami is not blowing people out, that's the perception. You know what I mean? Just just throw it out there.
2: Vegas doesn't think Miami is the number nine team
1: in the country. Correct. Mm -hmm. So that's what I gather from that.
2: Cam, you got Miami
0: covering and winning the game on the field.
1: Yeah, I mean, Miami winning outright, which we'll be covering, so yeah.
2: Fair enough. Mike?
1: Miami outright,
2: prove it to me, Virginia Tech. I'm in Ooh. camp's camp now. I'm in the <laughs> camp of, Look like, at that. We're going to be now semi-pessimistic until you prove it to me. So, that's where I'm at. It's uh, I got no reason to believe in Virginia Tech anymore under Justin Fuente. So, prove it to me.
1: I mean, it's not even pessimistic. It's just, like, not... Implicitly optimistic, which, I mean, it well, no, seems me, like, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, so they they got to prove it. Well,
2: no, 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 let me say this. I'm totally indifferent about the football program at this point, which I think is even worse than being pessimistic. Just totally wow. different.
1: Okay, I know that we've waxed poetic for, like, almost an hour, but, like, why are you indifferent?
2: Um, Because I think that this is going – as long as Fuente's still the coach and the way that Virginia Tech's recruiting, I think this is just going to continue to be how it's going to be. Like, I don't think Virginia Tech is going to get – markedly better. I don't think they're um, going to get a whole lot worse. I mean, I think that from a floor standpoint, they're only going to be so bad just because of, you know, the coaching staff from an X's and O standpoint in most cases hasn't been the issue. It was an issue against Liberty. Scheme and and the the game plan against Wake Forest, I thought it was fine. I didn't think that was a coaching issue as much as the players just didn't execute. I mean, Hooker played terrible. Um, But like liberty was one of those games there've been a few cases of it like over fuentes here where i don't think team was ready to play mm. and i think you get at least one of those a year and if you get a separate game where the players decide to just not play well then it's like two games a year against teams you should beat and then i think you're just really staring at like 7 and 5 consistently and that's kind of where tech was at the end of beamer and so i'm that's where i'm pretty much at with this program right now i think that that 10-win season at the outset with Fuente was the outlier. I think that Gerard Evans made Fuente and the staff look real good. And I think they were uh, beneficiaries of a soft schedule in year two with Josh Jackson, his first-year quarterback. And it's been pretty bad ever since. So that's where I'm at.
1: I've been there before. So yep,
0: Give me Virginia Tech on Saturday. Why? Mike, you said you have no reason for confidence. I have one reason for confidence. And it's this spread. They're
2: eighteen It's this okay. spread. And they're it eighteen and makes- five and they're eighteen and five under Fuente after losses. Sure. That's yeah, we'll it. go with
0: that. No, Mike, yeah. if if the number nine, if a top ten team that is six and one is going on the road to play a four and three team that's had all sorts of conversations this week about firing their coach and has looked like kind of a mess at a lot of points this season, and somehow that unranked four and three team is favored, somebody's telling me something. Like this like it just looks way too much like free money to take Miami here, <laughs> yeah. so I guess I got to take Virginia Tech. That's, that's I'm, I'm with you. Where, that's the only thing I can say.
2: <laughs> I'm with you from a spread standpoint, but there's no re- there's no rationale, or reasoning that makes me believe that Virginia Tech's going to win the football game. But yeah. from a spread standpoint, I get it. Yeah, everything it.
0: objectively tells me Miami is is the better team here. Should be the better team here. Right. Should win this game, and like Cam said, like should have no problems doing it. Mm-hmm. But I,
1: I don't know. Look, you're 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 just where we've been, Miami (laughs) fans for a while. You know, 2018, 2019, pretty much every year, other than 2017. Recently, this is a game that Miami should win. Miami's a better team, a more talented team. Obviously, having a better season, playing better, even like within the last week or two, and things like that. Those are all things. Yes, this is a show and prove spot. I'm not saying that we're going to win by five touchdowns or six touchdowns, like this is against Florida State. Y'all suck, by the way. Shut up. Um, but <laughs> Shout, out I FSU do Twitter. Shout out to FSU Twitter, who still wants to <laughs> chirp, even though we beat them by six touchdowns. Like we're counting at recess. Shut up. Get out of my face.
0: It was the refs, Tim.
1: Anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was totally the refs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. oh, well, you know the Jordan Travis is Charlie Ward 2.0, and if he would have played all the way through, then we would have. Anyway, like I'm saying. I don't think that Miami will beat Virginia Tech in that kind of a way, but I do not see a reason why Miami should lose absent Miami mailing it in. And I cannot fault Joey for saying, okay, he's going to be on the side of Miami mailing it in, in a spot where they should win. And I'm cautiously on the optimistic side of Miami, at least with their perseverance and performance, finding a way to win. So, I mean, yeah.
2: I hope both teams mail it and It could be like 14 to
1: 12 or something. <laughs> hey, Cam, another, another
2: quick question for you. Yes. If you were like let's, – let's say you were a Wyoming football fan and you looked at the spread and you, mm-hmm. hadn't, you didn't know anything about these two teams, would you be rolling with Virginia Tech or Miami? Just be, spread alone. Miami. Okay.
1: Fair enough. Because uh, if, if I'm a Wyoming fan – brand name how much how brand much name. do i know about virginia tech yeah you know what i brand mean name. yeah you're like oh there a little bit but i mean you're gonna look you're gonna see the single digit number in the ranking side so on the left side of miami's name you're gonna see a single digit there and you are gonna be like wait so a single digit <laughs> on the road there, it's a close kind of what uh, okay i'm gonna go with them. That. that's that's that would be my
2: point being list. that line stinks i'm with joey there i, I just yeah Stinks a uh,
0: half, man. Like, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. I think Tech could easily win just based on the spread, but outside of that, I have no reason to pick the Hokies. So. Yeah.
0: The only other thing I'm going to mention, and it'll be the last thing I have to say, is it, it's kind of in line with what Cam has been saying too. Is you know, as much as we have seen some what seems like market improvement from this Miami program just in general through the course of the season versus previous seasons, I almost am at a point where I feel like I need to see it for the rest of the season, and I probably need to see it next season too. Before I'm not just like waiting on the other shoe to
1: drop at some point. Yes. there. I mean, there is always or still the specter of, of uh, you know what I mean? That yeah. kind of, you're holding your breath, sucking your teeth. Like, I don't know. I mean, even last week against NC State, you know, like Manny Diaz kicked that field goal when we were down 10 or down six in the fourth quarter. And it was just like, maybe he knows something everybody doesn't know. Because I don't know if we're going to get the ball back and be able to stop them. But they were in the midst of holding NC State to only six yards of offense in the fourth quarter that ended up playing well. you know. But like even at that time, like I got tweeted, and I was just like, that might be the, ch- the decision that loses you this game. Because I don't know if the defense has it in them to actually carry through and find a way to win this game that took an effort to steal a victory from the hands of defeat based upon everything that happened. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I cannot fault you for just saying, okay, well, the specter of miami Miamiing, which currently is like, you know, cleansing was, you know, when they found ways to lose games that they shouldn't have before they went on this run. Like, I can't fault you in the back of your mind because, to be perfectly honest, like, I still have it a little bit too.
0: Well, there you have it. Cam's got Miami outright... Mike has Miami outright. I've got Virginia Tech minus two and a half. Hashtag Fade Joey. Um, y'all, y'all, are, y'all are too smart for this by now. Anyways, Cam, this has been a ton of fun. Thank you so much for coming on. It's always a, a pleasure, and, and thanks for your time and everything. You wanna tell hey, the wait, people we're not going
1: to do the rest of the games?
0: No, nah, no, nah, I think we're going to do that separately. Boo. Yeah, sorry, sorry. All right. Um, you want to tell the people where you can find your stuff real quick?
1: Yeah, man. So on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, we're at the state of the U. My personal Twitter account is at Underwood Sports, both by video games and reality TV too. So also as well. So if you think only sports on Underwood Sports... Below deck. Yo, I love it. This season is a mess. My God. But uh, yeah, so we, we sprinkle some sports and some real life in there as well. Uh, and the website is always, of course, stateoftheu.com. We have a great, great crew contributors. We do uh, try to, you know, push the conversation, commentary and analysis. And I think that we have one of the best, if not the best groups around uh, in the blogosphere around the, the Miami Hurricanes. So please come on over and check us out. And, you know, if you don't like it, then, you know, your money back is guaranteed.
0: Without a doubt, com best Miami coverage on the internet. Cannot recommend it enough. Cam, appreciate it, brother. It's been fun. We'll talk to you again soon.
1: All right. So you guys are going to have me back next week so I can make fun of you about Georgia Tech, right?
0: I might just, like, let you fill in for me on that game. I don't know if I want to talk about it.
1: <laughs> uh, no problem. Yeah, man. It's always good to talk to you guys, man. I'll see you soon. <laughs>
0: Thanks, man. All right, Mike. And once again, that was Cam Underwood, com. At Underwood Sports on Twitter. Really appreciate his time. Thought that was a great conversation. It is always a joy having him on on the show with us.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, the Miami encyclopedia. Absolutely. That's what he is. Yeah.
0: I mean, again, some of those names that he was drawing out of old wide receivers, like I thought I was being clever referencing Michael Irvin. (laughs) No. Yeah. There's much more obscure names that he was drawing out that I, I had not even truthfully even heard of before, so. Yeah,
2: I brought up Al Golden and Ja'Cory Harris and thought I was going back in the memory bank, and that was, like, <laughs> less than 10 years ago, so that's yeah. where we're at. Those guys look like children compared
0: to, like, Jeremy Shockey and Ed Reed and Ray Lewis, so hey. Yeah,
2: yeah Jeremy Shockey's going to be on those uh, AARP commercials here sometime <laughs> in the near future.
0: I look forward to those that sleeve tattoo down at least one arm, if not both arms, that's appearing right. on an AARP commercial.
2: Yeah. New York Life or something. <laughs> Mike, we got
0: five more games to preview here in Week 10. Let's just jump right in. 3.30 on ABC. This is the game that I I can't wait to watch for, I I guess, one just general reason here. The number two Notre Dame Fighting Irish. A 13.5 point favorite on the road in Chestnut Hill taking on the Boston College Eagles. Total is 49.5. Mike, Notre Dame, number two in the country. That's a new one. Uh, That's a different feeling. They just came off a huge win over Clemson,
2: biggest win they've had in a number of years. What happened to them the last time they beat a number one team in the country? Do you know?
0: Um,
2: let's see. So I
0: was born in 1991. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Has that happened
2: in my lifetime? I don't know. It has. It has. And you know what happened right after that, Joey? They lost to Boston College.
1: Ooh. Hmm. Hmm. Hmm.
2: So, Mike, I get the, the impression that you're maybe not on Notre Dame here. I'm on BC to cover. 13 and a half is a lot, Joey. Sure and is. Notre Dame is going on the road here to Chestnut Hill. This is the letdown game of the century. We were texting about this earlier today. Yes. Letdown game of the century. We were talking about the spread. This is uh, bet the house on BC to cover two touchdowns. Uh, this is a situation where we know who the better team is. It's Notre Dame, mm-hmm. right? Um, offensively, defensively, special teams. They are the much better team. This is also the red bandana game for Boston College, Joey. Who buddy. Yep. And that is a big deal for BC. As we all know, on an annual basis, they have the red bandana game, and that's for you know charitable purposes. Um, and so they raise a bunch of money for this every year. I wonder how that works in a COVID year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure they got other stuff going on for that yeah um, we,
0: we've had dan rubin on in the past and he's kind of told the story of the the red bandana game and it's it is a fundraiser but uh, you know if you haven't if you haven't heard of this you don't know what it is it is very much worth your while to look it up um, would recommend doing it when you have maybe 20 minutes to read about it or something because um, their the college of,
2: game day segment on it too oh
0: it's, it's um, unbelievable and and yep. there's almost nothing about this this tradition at Boston College that you can read or consume that won't kind of leave you welling up a little bit with some tears. I mean, it is a it is a tragic and beautiful and inspirational story kind of all at the same time. Um, and, and, and if you know the story, you'll understand why it is, Mike, that when they play this game every year and whatever the, the lead up and the preparation is for Boston College, it is without fail. The Eagles will come out in this game playing with their hair on fire. They, yep. they will play about their best game of the year in the Red Bandana game every, every year. And as you mentioned, Notre Dame in the letdown spot of the year, coming off their best win in the program in the last 10 years, probably. And the thing that I mentioned before we came on here, too, and, and something to keep in mind, there was a little, bit, a little bit to do, a little bit of hubbub surrounding the whole field rushing thing after Notre Dame won that game. And there Don't was even get me started. Questions. Yes. Uh, well, and, and I, you know, different conversation for a different day about the <laughs> merits right. of that whole situation.
2: <laughs> That's right. I agree.
0: But I'm just saying from a wagering standpoint, um, you know, there were there were pictures of Ian Book in the tunnel with a bunch of students that didn't have masks on and this, that, and the other. And all I'm saying, Mike, is if you're betting, you know, if you want to bet as much as you want on Notre Dame coming into this game at full strength on the roster – You know, that is your prerogative, and I will not be joining you on that. Um, I'm just – there is – I have no reason to believe that Notre Dame is just going to come in here and wipe the floor with Boston College. I think Boston College is going to give them a hell of a game. I've got Boston College in the points. I'm not going to go Boston College outright, but I'm just going to tell you right now, there are things that would shock me a lot more this weekend than Boston College winning this game on the field.
2: Yeah, and – I guess we should mention that Phil Dracovic, Boston College's quarterback, got to be the scout team quarterback against Notre Dame's starting defense all last year as he Mm -hmm. was the backup to Ian Book in South Bend. So there's that underlying storyline, too. Joey, here, um, since we're talking about wagering, over under four and a half mentions of Phil Dracovic being Notre Dame's former quarterback during this telecast.
0: I mean, if this is competitive in like the third quarter, it's an easy over.
2: Yeah, it's an easy over, I agree. <laughs> um, oh well this is uh this is one of those situations where I think knowing the team has really put Boston College in the spot offensively with Phil Drakovic a quarterback. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. And that's just one mention. I uh, But notice that
0: we have sat here and talked about this game and why Boston College is gonna cover for about three minutes now. We have not yet once mentioned anything that has anything to do with scheme or talent or anything. It is yeah.
2: purely a a spot play like that's because I could also see this going like 42 10 Notre Dame
0: if everything else is equal yes
2: yeah yeah I mean if Uh, it's
0: a neutral field just any given Saturday for either of these teams yeah sure like Notre Dame probably could wipe the floor with them from a scheme talent advantage standpoint I just I just don't see it happening in this spot in this game this weekend
2: yeah Boston College is well coached they'll be competitive and they were competitive against Clemson as we know uh, a couple of weeks ago, and Notre Dame just beat Clemson and South Bend in a very competitive game. So it's not like Boston College can't hang. I think they definitely can. I think Notre Dame is too good to lose this game, Joey, mm-hmm. truthfully. I think BC covers things like 28-17. I think Notre Dame wins by uh, about 10 points.
0: I've got Notre Dame like twenty eight twenty four. I think this yeah, is this closer. is like an uncomfortably close game for the Irish. Um, and, yeah, and that actually, I mean, that goes with this rivalry traditionally. Like Boston College will always play Notre Dame pretty tough, um, yep. even in years where there's no business, you know, being being close. It's it still finds a way to be close. So, um, I'll I'll take I'll take the Eagles here. Totals forty nine and a half. I don't know if I have a ton of opinions on that. The only other thing I was going to mention here is that, you know, we talked about how not only is Notre Dame coming off their their best win in the last decade easily as a program, they're also coming off just, you know, straight and simple, like the, the, the best played game that we have seen them play in a long time. Yeah. And so, I I do think that there is something to be said, especially the way that Ian Book and that receiving core were able to attack Clemson down the field was something that we weren't expecting. You know why we weren't expecting it? And you know why that was, like, the best game they've played in the longest time? It's Because that's not normal. Like, they don't normally do that week to week. So, to expect them to do the same thing this week would be a little bit, out. you know, it wouldn't be reasonable. So... You know, Again, show me you can string a few games in a row together doing that consistently, and we'll we'll have a different conversation. But at this point, I think they're going to lean on the run game. I think Boston College is going to be able to at least keep it in check to some degree, and they're going to take their own shots, and, and we've seen all year they're going to hit them. Um, so, yeah, give me Boston College and the points. I would not be shocked if they won the game outright. Total-wise, I, I think it's pretty
2: close. I don't have a, t- a ton of opinions there got a lot more trust in Boston College's defense than I do but
0: hey I mean I was the one that was talking trash about Boston College coming into the year and didn't think they'd be very good at all and I mean they're just casually like five and two or whatever and they still might not be all that good I don't really know but it's
2: they keep they keep getting it
0: done somehow some way so yeah I don't know what else I can say Um, yeah
2: I I think I think BC covers I think Notre Dame wins Pulls away in the second half.
0: Yeah,
2: about ten point, ten or eleven point game. That's where I'm at with it.
0: Fair enough. Any official play in the total, or leave it alone?
2: Leaving that alone. I'd lean under, though.
0: All right. Fair enough. Uh,
2: let's move on, Mike. Noon
0: on the ACC Network. Your Wake Forest Steamin' Deeks, a thirteen Ooh.
2: and a half point
0: underdog on the road in Chapel Hill, taking on the North Carolina Tar Heels. Total is a a pretty robust sixty six points. Hmm. Um, am I am I dumb for kind of wanting to take wake forest here just from a they're they're well coached and they're gonna try to slow the game down and they're gonna run the ball well against north Carolina's not that good defense and i just i i don't feel like i mean talent wise like north carolina should be able to blow out wake forest but i just i feel like wake forest is really well coached and they're going to be able to keep this thing within a couple scores
2: Okay, so I'm going to make the over an official play here. I think it goes over 66 and a half. And Shoot don't out. think twice. Don't don't think twice. <laughs> yeah, don't think twice. These are two mediocre defenses at best. Um, and two pretty good offenses. Now, I, I could see a path here with Wake Forest kind of playing keep away from North Carolina a little bit. And I think if they do that, this total goes under. Um, and I think Wake Forest has a better chance to cover in a lower scoring game. With that being said um i i do worry about wake's defense here especially if north carolina offensively just starts firing on all cylinders like they did against do i mean that game was over at the half i think wakes a much better team than duke but um this was a you know I, I think north carolina if they feel like playing up to their potential there are very few teams in the acc that can keep up with them offensively and wake forest i think happens to be one of those teams just because North Carolina's defense has a propensity to give up big plays and Wake Forest has found a way to gain big time yards in chunk play fashion here Um, especially throughout like the month of October and early November they've been able to move the ball much better than they did early on in the year but they've been able to score some points I think the game goes over I think North Carolina wins I do think Wake covers Um, and again I think this is another like Ten to twelve point game, so I'd be careful with that with that line. But I think I lean on Wake Forest to cover here, and I think this game definitely goes over.
0: I'm I'm with you on Wake Forest. I don't know that I like them well enough to actually put currency on it myself. But again, for the sake of making picks on this podcast, you know, I I'll go with that. Uh, you you mentioned liking the over a lot and making that an official pick. Uh, I was going to mention the last three weeks in ACC games, overs have gone fourteen and five. Mm-hmm. So it, it, we've had a lot of overs this year. Um, a lot of defenses not really performing up to the caliber that we thought they might. So you know, been a been a good year for those. If you just want to uh, keep that in mind. So oh yeah, a lot of points. I I am also going to not make. I am not going to make the spread, the uh, the total, and official pick for me. Uh, I'm going to stay away from it because I, I could see it being a thing where Wake Forest tries to play a little bit of keep away and and does that kind of thing. But, um, uh, so but at the same time, I mean, there could also be explosive plays left and right against either of these defenses, and you know, I, I could see this game going in a few different directions. But give me Wake Forest yeah. and the points. I think I think we agree on that.
2: It's a lot of points, a lot of points for a team that's definitely capable of. Keeping up offensively.
0: Yep. Yep. Uh, All right, Mike. 7 o'clock on ESPN3 and Regional Sports Networks. Check your local listings. Beautiful. Love it. Uh, The Pittsburgh Panthers, a a 6.5-point favorite on the road in Atlanta, taking on my Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Total is 51. Uh, Pittsburgh looked better last week against a Florida State team that is uh, not – not getting less on fire, and I don't mean like real bad. Not <laughs> real like, bad, actually. You know, they're playing hot right now. I mean, they like literally in flames. Uh, like right, the house en is and fuego, burning. yeah, and fuego in a real bad way. So that's not great. Uh, yeah. Georgia Tech coming off a bye. Georgia Tech looked like a total mess their last three games against Clemson, Boston College, and they actually looked a little bit better against Notre Dame uh, the week before the bye, But they have not looked super sharp since winning that Friday night game against Louisville. This is also a home game. This is a night game. Is, Mike, am I dumb? Am I dumb for taking Georgia Tech to at least cover, if not maybe win this game outright?
2: I mean, Georgia Tech is total Jekyll and Hyde, as is Pittsburgh. Um, Joey, I I don't really have much of an opinion on the spread, I'm going to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. If I had to lean one way or the other, I'm probably going with Pitt to win the game. Probably mm-hmm. not cover, because I think Pitt's a better team. Uh, but, Joey... The over under is set, Was that, 51 and a half? 51. 51. Joey, lock it up. This is my pick of the week. Woo! Over. You over. Lock it up. No, you, lock it up. you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. All right. Locking up 51. Going over yeah. in the Listen, these game. are Listen, yeah, these are two offenses that can score some points. I Look, Pittsburgh's defense, pretty good against the run, not great against the pass. The one thing we can say about Jeff Sims is that when he has made plays through the year, they've been chunk plays, mm-hmm. and I, I think that could hurt Pittsburgh here. I think Pittsburgh's offense moves the ball in Georgia Tech. I think this game goes over.
0: Yeah, and uh, the best thing in this game, by far, reliably is Pittsburgh's run defense. Mm-hmm. Like, I I don't see Georgia Tech getting a lot going in the run game. There is a very clear way to attack them, and that's through the pass game. You know, but then can you protect Jeff Sims and and? Can you get in rhythm in the passing game? And sometimes you can, and sometimes you can't. Thanks, Dave Patnode, like offensive coordinator.
2: (laughs) This sounds like the Notre Dame preview that we did against Pittsburgh. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to make the over an official play. That's for sure. Um, I'm just going to take Georgia Tech, home dog, second road trip in a row for Pittsburgh. I think they're probably a little bit overrated from what they looked like against Florida State last week. Yep. Again, th- there were a couple times that they had short fields. Florida State was, like, trying to turn the ball over. and I mean, it, it was a perfect storm. I think I think the final score is not indicative of how close that game was for about three, three-and-a-half quarters. Yeah. So, again, I think Pittsburgh a little bit overrated, maybe, from-, from that particular performance. Georgia Tech performed pretty well last time off a bye. So, yeah, let's go. You know what? Because I'm ready to be hurt again, Mike. Oh, no. Georgia Tech on the field. Georgia Tech wins the game
2: outright. Who cares? I don't know. Is that your pick of the week? No. 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 (laughs) No, 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 no. no. I tried tried to bait him into it. Hey, can you repeat that stat? You had a stat about the over in this game and how Pittsburgh and Georgia Tech have performed relative to the total this year. Can you repeat those for me?
0: Yeah, it's funny because these are two teams that you look at and you're like, these offenses are inconsistent at best and potentially just, like, you know, incomplete and and – Sometimes just completely ineffective. in a, in fourteen games, these two teams have gone ten and four. Like the over has
2: hit ten of those fourteen games. A willing participant in making people money on over bets. So just something to keep in mind. Yep, to be considered. To be considered. Uh, Mike, you want to talk about what you're wearing right now? Oh, I mean, got basketball conference after dark, huh?
0: I, absolutely, it is that time. Um, Mike, do you feel like you could be more comfortable in what you're than what you're wearing right now? I think I could be, Joey. Do you think you could be more fashionable than what you're wearing right now? I think you could be. I just,
2: I, I absolutely could be, Joey.
0: Well, there's a great way to do that, Mike. You should talk to our friends there at HomefieldApparel.com. There it is. There it is. Uh, Mike, as mentioned before, we we've recently partnered with HomefieldApparel.com. We're extremely excited about them. Uh, and, and, being partnered with them on the show. Uh, if you're not familiar with them, they are a clothing company based out of Indianapolis, but they, they have been a, a big friend and an ally of the uh, college football community, especially on the internet and such. But they, uh, they make clothing that is incredibly comfortable It is incredibly stylish. Uh, they, they really make a lot of use of a lot of very classic logos and imagery on, uh, on their shirts, sweatshirts, tank tops for men, women alike. Um, Highly recommend going to check them out. We are really excited to be with them, and they make some really great stuff, Mike.
2: Yeah, and for several ACC teams as well, and they do this awesome thing called Big New Saturday, and Mm -hmm. every, basically every Saturday throughout college football season, they've been unveiling at least one team, uh, but sometimes multiple teams, uh, with new apparel, and there are several ACC teams who – um, have been featured and now have apparel on the home field apparel site. So again, awesome shirts, sweatshirts, you name it, they probably have it. And again, it's a nice mix of uh, like older logos and like imagery and symbols for, you know, some of these college football programs mixed with kind of the new modern vibe, right? So you you brought the example up in the last podcast. For those of you who haven't listened, we kind of intro uh, the fact that Louisville was one of those schools and what was it? Something about Saturday, right? Yep. Football Saturdays, football Saturdays with a play on words for Scott Satterfield, right? So he spells Saturday, like Satterfield. So it's stuff like that with the old Cardinal logo and Louisville's got some pretty sweet shirts there on home field apparel for those Cardinal fans listening to this podcast. So mm-hmm. God, for several ACC schools, Virginia tech's one of them, Georgia tech, hopefully coming soon. I know they're working on that, Joey, mm-hmm. uh, but at checkout, Use the promo code GOACC, all one word. You receive 20% off your first order with Home Field Apparel. So it's homefieldapparel.com. Go check that out.
0: Absolutely. Florida State, Virginia Tech, Pittsburgh, Bowling Green, all your favorite ACC schools represented on (laughs) homefieldapparel.com. Bowling Green. That is correct. So, again, promo code GOACC, G-O-A-C-C, at checkout for 20% off your first order. Support us. Support them. Home Field Apparel. Really appreciate their partnership. Mike, 3.30 p.m. on the ACC Network, the Louisville Cardinals, a a three-and-a-half-point underdog on the road, taking on your Virginia Cavaliers. Total is Um, 67-and-a-half. So, first of all, Mike, this game is being made up from last week when it was scheduled for, was uh, uh, postponed for COVID cases, I believe, at Louisville. Yep. Um, Now being made up, again, Louisville a a three-and-a-half-point underdog. The thing that concerns me here is maybe who is or isn't playing for Louisville, considering COVID reasons. But honestly, just from what we've seen from these teams and what I expect from Louisville and this, that, and the other, I think I'm on Louisville outright in this game. I think I'm on Louisville on the field.
2: I Maybe. I mean, this is another Jekyll and Hyde situation with Louisville, right? And UVA, I think, has been a bit more consistent from the standpoint of when Brian Armstrong's been in the lineup, the offense provides you with some level of certainty that they'll be at least mediocre. Like, when Armstrong hasn't been playing, it's been a rotating cast of characters, a quarterback, and the offense for Virginia has been really, really bad. Mm-hmm. The the biggest surprise to me this year is how poorly UVA's defense has played. Yeah, That's been kind of the big surprise. Sure, they lost some star power from last year's roster on the defensive side of the ball, but they returned a lot of starters. Like I I believe it was like eight or nine starters on that defense. So they had a lot of guys returning. So you expected this unit to be a lot better, and they just really haven't lived up to the billing. And the offense, weirdly, has been a little bit better than expected when Brennan Armstrong's been right and he's been healthy, um, just considering what they lost with Bryce Perkins. So UVA has kind of been this kind of inverse team, right? They're about what I expected them to be from a win loss standpoint, but how they've looked has been a lot differently than probably what I thought they would look like back in August when we were previewing uh, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And and then with Louisville, again, it's like beginning of the year Malik Cunningham's turning the ball over a bit more than we're used to, and Javion Hawkins was kind of the one constant with you know Louisville's defense just kind of trying to find their way all throughout the year and. I think our vibe on this Louisville team back in like September, early October was okay. Louisville had a really, really strong first year under Scott Satterfield, but they've clearly kind of regressed to the mean. And this is a team and a program that has a long way to go. Maybe they, you know, exceeded expectations in year one. And maybe this is kind of a regression year, but kind of about where they should be in year two of a rebuild. But lately, they've been playing better, right? I mean, they they lost to Notre Dame in South Bend, twelve to seven, which I mean, the score is ugly. But Notre Dame just went out and beat Clemson last weekend, so that loss looks pretty good at this point. Um, and you know, kept they it blow, closer than Clemson did. Well, yeah, uh, weirdly, and then they blow out. <laughs> floor, it's just math, blow out, Yeah, they blow out Florida State. They were in a real competitive game with Virginia Tech um, down the stretch. I, I know that Virginia Tech had kind of got out to a big lead, and then kind of controlled the tempo of that game, but Louisville found themselves within a score in the fourth quarter. So that got competitive. Mm-hmm. So I think Louisville's been Louisville's been better. I just, they're so hot and cold for me, Joey. And yeah. I see the, I certainly see the path. I agree with what you were saying. I, I see the path for Louisville to win this game outright with what they have going offensively. And they're pl- performing a bit better defensively lately, but UVA's at home. Brennan Armstrong in that offense, they've they looked pretty good. They're, they're coming off of a win against North Carolina. Um, and this is a team that I think offensively with Brennan Armstrong will be able to get the job done at home and make enough stops defensively. Maybe this is the week that Virginia's defense finally shows up. But Joey, this is a lot of points. I'm going to make the under an official play here. I think mm-hmm. weirdly, weirdly, I think this game kind of stays low on the total. And part of me wanting to play this as well is the fact that I don't know who's going to be healthy for Louisville. Yeah. So that, that's part of the pick for Virginia and, and part of me kind of taking the under just because I'm not entirely sure who's going to be suiting up come 3.30 on Saturday.
0: Yeah, my, my main thought here on taking Louisville outright is I, I think that really the one primary mismatch in this game is Louisville's passing offense against Virginia's passing defense. Um, Virginia's secondary has been a little bit of a mess this year, and a- as mentioned, I mean there were there were a couple of star players that left after last year that you know are tough to replace, and not to mention you know pandemic, this that and the other. You know, in terms of practices and all that, that that are now costing them. Yeah, it um, makes it hard. Yeah, it makes it hard. That's that's fine. Like it's not a it's not a slight. It just it is what it is. Like the the secondary is not as good as it was last year, and so if I'm looking at this uh, thinking like Louisville, what have they done really well consistently in most games is they can hit big passing plays down the field. Uh, right. Sometimes, sometimes it's Malik Cunningham. <laughs> sometimes it's Mikhail sometimes. Cunningham. You don't really know. Um, yeah. and, and that really Made is that Cunningham. The, yeah, exactly. Um, so when he, on the days where he's Mikhail Cunningham and you've still got Des Fitzpatrick and Tutu Atwell and, you know, Javian Hawkins catching a couple passes and, and these kinds of things like, they can still rack up some really big plays. Um and so that's that's really to me the difference here is I I I don't know that Virginia's offense going up against a Louisville defense that is decidedly not very good but like I do think that they've plugged a couple of the holes that they had earlier in the year where they were just blowing coverages and blowing assignments left and right. Like I think they're better than they were then. And I I, I think that they'll be able to get enough stops on a Virginia offense that I wouldn't really say is like dynamic or explosive in a lot of ways. And I think that Louisville's offense is going to be able to create enough big plays against this Virginia secondary. That's the reason that give me Louisville outright in this game uh, to win. I, I, I could see it being a little higher scoring, like a 38, 35 kind of thing, but I'm also with you. I could see this, you know, going well under the number being a, you know, a 28, 21 kind of game or something like yep. that so i i'm gonna leave the total alone um this is a weird week mike because now you've got three official plays on totals and i've only got one yeah um, that's kind of a you know reversal of course here but you know for
2: what it is so i i haven't played a lot of totals this year um i can tell you i can guarantee you without even looking back this is by far the most totals i've played in one week
0: At least proportionally, yeah. If you're on 50% of the totals in a week, yeah, that's... Yeah, it's a lot. (laughs) Out of character for you. Yep. So, uh, give me Louisville outright. You've got Virginia covering three and a half here. Um, I do. And I'm... I totally... I see it completely from your end, too, of like, we don't know who's going to be playing for Louisville and who might not be, so maybe by Friday morning I look like a moron for making this pick, but, you know, we'll, we'll find out. Yep. That's the fun of 2020, Mike. And there is fun to be had in 2020
2: i'm sure oh yeah they're at some point we still waiting for it <laughs> second week of november we'll find it eventually
0: well here it is for you mike 7 30 p.m on the acc network
2: oh yeah this is what i was looking forward to all year middle St- of the pandemic i was thinking you know what florida state terrible quarterback new scheme bad defense nc state on the road in november sign me up
0: absolutely nothing like it mike this is what we waited all summer for
2: <laughs> it got me through the dog days i'll tell you
0: Seminole is a nine and a half point underdog on the road in Raleigh taking on the NC State Wolfpack. Total is fifty nine and a half. Um NC State, Mike.
2: I'm still waiting for your pick of the week.
0: Yeah, I gotta figure out what, what that is. And you're I feel mm-hmm. like you're baiting me into this one as well. Mm-hmm. And it it might be there. Lock so it up. Let's so let's start here. So there there was a lot of bad news as it related to Florida State this week.
2: Uh um, I will say, yeah. I'll say.
0: James Blackman officially transferring. Uh, Tamori and Terry has left the program. He's going... No more Scary Terry. No Scary Terry. Probably going to the NFL. Marvin Wilson probably done as a seminal. He had season-ending surgery, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Again, just got the doors blown off last week by a not-that-great Pittsburgh team. Uh, Again, a lot of problems in Tallahassee. Now you're going into Raleigh. NC State playing real well. Put a scare into Miami last week. They've been really good at home. Bailey Hockman actually showed some life last week against Miami. Now he plays his former team in Florida State. Give me give me NC State, Mike. Give me NC
2: State. I am done with Florida State, Joey. And I know you are, too. We mentioned that earlier today when we were texting. You said, I think I'm out on Florida State the rest of the year. And you know what? Hard to disagree. Mm-hmm. Hard to disagree. Um, for all the reasons mentioned, I mean Bailey Hawkman playing against his old team—nice little story. That'll we'll set the over/under for four and a half on that as well. <laughs> as as far as how many times it's mentioned that he used to play for Florida State, mm-hmm. um, I, I yeah, I mean I think Bailey Hawkman here and and the NC State balance offensively. Um, Bam Knight, Ricky Person running the ball. Florida State's defense, their inability to really stop anybody right now. And they're just way too one-dimensional on offense. It's basically Jordan Travis running the football. And if he doesn't break a long play, they're having trouble converting on third down. They're having trouble staying ahead of, you know, on schedule or ahead of schedule. And um, they're finding themselves behind the sticks a lot when they're in passing situations, just because they can't really get anybody open. The offensive line can't really block the defensive fronts they are facing. And I mean, Quite honestly, Jordan Travis just can't deliver the ball consistently enough through the air. So that's mm-hmm. kind of where they're at offensively. It's just way too one-dimensional for my liking. I think NC State's a better team. They're at home. I think they cover nine and a half, one by a few scores.
0: Yep, I- I'm with you. You
2: How know you what feeling about the total? Huh? How you feeling about the total before you lock this up? Fifty-nine and a <laughs>
0: half. Uh, go under. I'd lean under on that.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm probably going under. I don't think Florida State scores enough and. NC State's certainly capable of scoring plenty of points, but I, NC State's defense hasn't been too, too bad. And, yeah, again, Florida State's a little too one-dimensional. I think I'm on the under as well.
0: Look like If I told you Florida State scores 21 in this game, what would you do with that mm. total?
2: Mm. Uh, man, if they're able to get into... I mean, 21 I'm still probably going under. If they get to, like, 24-28 range, it's, it's over for yeah. me because... I, I think NC State's covering, so... Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's by, like, 14. 14 to 17. So I think NC State wins this game by.
0: Mike, I'm locking up NC State. There
2: it is. You better lock it up. You lock it up. No, you lock, it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please.
0: Let it be known that I of previous Dave Doran and NC State hatred. And I am the in Front hater. of God and everyone. In front of God and everyone am locking up NC State to cover nearly double digits at home against Florida State in the year of our Lord twenty twenty. So go Wolfpack. Future Georgia
2: tech coach Dave Doran. <laughs> I just want the reaction. You trying to uh yes. you
0: trying to get these hands, Mike or uh I...
2: I mean, well, Virginia Tech will be searching for a coach before Georgia Tech if it makes you feel any better.
0: Hmm. Hmm. NC State might be as well. I don't know. Um, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> um, Mike, that's all I got. Is there anything else we need to cover before we get out of here? What a weird slate of games. Uh, what a weird slate. You know what? I Actually, now that I think of it, I think there is one more thing we got to cover before we get out of here. Oh, what would that be, Joey? Mike, we have a uh, we have a game to recap. Are you, do you believe me, or do you, are you you know? Do you
2: remember? Do you know? I I believe you, and I know it's not in the ACC, Joey.
0: Well, that you know depends on who you ask.
2: Kent oh, State,
0: God, the flashes sixty two, Bowling Green, R Falcons twenty four. There it is. <laughs> they did not cover twenty
2: two and just continued. Hey, Joe- Continue fading Bowling Green, please. Hey, Joey, can you do something for me? Yes, sir. Cue up yackety sacks, baby. Here we go. I want to uh, start by saying that Adam Rittenberg of ESPN, and we're recording this on Wednesday night, but Adam Rittenberg of ESPN said, and on Wednesday, the Lord giveth hashtag match <laughs> What perfect timing to recap the atrocity that is the Bowling Green Falcons, Joey.
0: Oh, man. Wow. Yeah, uh, it was close for like, I don't know, like the first quarter, maybe like the first 20 minutes or so. It was like, that was like, you know, 13 to 10 or something like that. And then Kent
2: State hit the gas and it was over. Uh, Kent, It was actually 10-10 at the end of the first quarter. Then Kent State scored 28 on answer at the second quarter. Yeah. So Whoops!
0: things are going great for our boys, Scott Leffler and Brian Van Gorder in uh, Bowling
2: Green, Ohio. I'd say so. Uh Kent State three hundred and seventy two yards passing and two ninety five on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh Brian Van Gorder Memorial, you tried award.
0: <laughs> to Brian Van defense. Trying to stop Kent
2: State. Yeah. <laughs> Brian Van Gordon's defense is the honorary recipient of his own award, Joey.
0: Yep. Uh, and who could have possibly seen this coming, Mike? Oh, uh, brutal. Um us. Bowling anyway. Green a casual two for thirteen on third downs. <laughs> mm.
2: Hate to see yep. it. Yep. Hate yeah, to see it. You hate to see it.
0: But thankfully, both of these guys have longstanding coordinator jobs in the Power Five, so it's going to work. It's going to work in the MAC. I promise.
2: Absolutely. Um, There's no way this could possibly go any way other than perfectly. Right? Sure. Right?
0: Is that where we're going (laughs) to go with? I have nothing else to add to that. No, you're correct. correct. (laughs) Okay, perfect. Bowling Green, National Title 2023, coming your way.
2: Oh, man. Hmm. Uh, what a shame. Yeah. Shame. Absolute shame. How, l- how long does it take for Scott Leffler and Brian Van Gorder to <laughs> lose their respective jobs? <laughs> that's the real question we need to ask here.
0: Oh, man. Um, probably too
2: long. Probably yeah. too long. <laughs> yep.
0: Mike, that's actually all I got. Anything else before we get out of here?
2: I think we're good, man. This is, uh, again, a very weird week of football in the ACC. We can be fortunate, at least has, at the time of this recording, just knowing that we are going to have football in the ACC this weekend because the SEC is effectively canceled and mm-hmm. the Big Ten like State, halfway canceled. Yeah, Ohio State had a game canceled this weekend, and hey, it's almost like it's really hard to play football in the pandemic.
0: How it is that you know? Yeah, like you mentioned, I mean, there's we're, we're approaching like a dozen games being canceled, and again, this is just Wednesday nights, so this will be there'll probably be more of them by the time we get to Friday. Right. How it is that none of them have been in the ACC is kind of beyond me, but also really impressive, and again. Big credit to ACC programs and kind of what they've been doing. Like, well done. Yeah,
2: yeah. They they all caught COVID early, and <laughs> now we're uh, we're in the spot where we're able to play football here in November. It's a um,
0: galaxy brain move right there.
2: Yeah, that's that's right. They were uh, ahead of the times, so to speak. And yeah, yeah, in more
0: ways than one. Yeah, you could say that.
2: Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Look, look at that. That was uh, a pun I didn't even expect to make. <laughs> that's where we're at.
0: Well, on that note, let's get out of here, um, yep. Mike. We're going to get out of here. We're going to come back and recap these games this weekend. But in the meantime, they can find us on Twitter. I am at ftrsjoey. He is at Mike McDaniel VT, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. We're all also at BC Podcast ACC on Instagram. Come follow us there. Appreciate those who have. We're starting to post a lot of our content there. I think it's a little easier to find there than it is on Twitter. Um, so check us out there. Yeah, uh, Mike, they can send us an email with their questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address, no man: basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. They can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Breaker, the Overcast app, Spotify, wherever podcasts are sold for free, especially on the Anchor app. Appreciate those who have. And uh, Mike, you want to tell them where they can find us on the other social medias?
2: Oh, yeah. Facebook, Facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all your podcasts there, Joey.
0: Please do. Please do. Appreciate those who have. Uh, Mike. That's all I got. Anything else before we get out
2: of here? I think we're good, man. Let's see how many of these games get played. Hopefully, they all get played. Hopefully, um, hopefully, and and then we'll see how wrong we are about literally all of our picks. There's not really a single game I feel great about. So,
0: well, what can go wrong? That's the spirit. Go ACC. That's right. You want to come back and recap these games on Sunday? Yes, sir. We'll we'll see how the picks go, and then I mean, if they if they go poorly enough, maybe we just ignore it and move on. We'll see. I don't know.
2: All right. yeah, yeah. Maybe we just go to the next preview. Yeah. Like skip ahead. It's like an audiobook. Just skip ahead.
0: We'll see. We'll see. Keep it tuned here and we'll find out then. Yep. All right. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. Big thanks again to Mr. Cam Underwood for joining us. Uh, we will talk to you guys again soon. And until next time, go ACC.